There's so much to celebrate today, what God's doing in our church family. Baptisms, Brad and Michael in the first service, Annika was baptized. And her dad was right there reading her story. And Annika grew up in a Christian home, but in college really owned her faith. Chemistry major, she really loves God with all her mind and her heart and sees how science points her to God. And owning her faith, it was an awesome celebration in first service. So uh, baptisms today, also baby dedication. Isn't that inspiring to see what's happening in terms of families at our church and focus and their love for Jesus and these little ones prayed for at a young age that they are going to discover Jesus and start a relationship with him too. Yesterday was a compassion clinic and many churches joining together. Yeah, we can thank God for what he did at the compassion clinic. Many of you served there. This is to me. Uh, needs across our community, and it's the physical needs, medical and dental, free dental. One son brought his mom who had a couple teeth removed. There are refugees that just came here from Ukraine and didn't know where to turn for the support and received the help yesterday. Again, many churches united together. It's free. It's just showing the love of God in a practical way in our communities. Uh, that happened this weekend. And then this is the start of the week with the main event. Surf's up, surf's up, let's go, let's go. Main event, if you don't know that uh, event or you can't picture that event, earlier this week I heard there's over 280 kids already signed up and a very high percentage are coming from our community and they're coming from, uh, they don't have a church home, they don't know about God, but they're coming here to have fun, to play games, to learn new songs and to learn and experience the love of Jesus. And that's what we can pray for this week. In addition to prayer, there's over 140 volunteers who are going to be here all week from our church family. Can we give it up for the volunteers? Over 140 volunteers. That always includes people who take vacation time and just invest it in serving the kids here. It's going to be an amazing week. Let's continue to pray for that together. We're starting a new series, the book of Revelation. If you brought a Bible, you can turn there or on your phone, turn there. Messages from Jesus in the book of Revelation. Christ is speaking to us. Christ has a message for us that covers both the original context and looking forward, spans across history. Today, he's the Alpha and the Omega. And as we go through this book, let's keep Jesus center. Jesus is at the center of the book of Revelation. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for how you change our lives, God, for the work that you're doing. And Lord, no one can stop your love, your truth, And we agree with you. We say yes and thank you, God, for our church family, many cultures, nations, generations, serving one another, growing in our faith. And we pray that you would use this book of Revelation to build us up today for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. What's your approach to the book of Revelation? Some people skip this book. They try to hide this book. They think it's a little confusing. Some people, if they're honest, will say it feels a little embarrassing even. And they completely avoid the book and have never really studied the book of Revelation. They just treat the Bible like it's 65 books and not 66. Don't recommend that approach. Here's another approach. People go sideways with the book of Revelation. They take things that are happening currently and they try to interject it into a text where it doesn't belong. Now, someone, and this is a joke, it was playful, but sent me an email where there's an article about the number 666, which is in the book of Revelation. And the article said that they've done some research in the Greek, the original language, and it's actually 6.66. So when the price of gas hits $6.66 a gallon, you know it's the end times. (laughs) 
other people are posting 7-Eleven, the store, with the gas in some states now, $7.11 per gallon. I want to tell you, that is not in the book of Revelation. There's no gas prices in the book of Revelation, but it's a ridiculous example how people will take something that's happening, ice Jesus, and try to throw it in the text and say, see, it's the end times. Let's not go sideways with the book of Revelation. Instead, what's the other option? Don't skip it. Don't go sideways. Let's read it. Let's have a solid interpretation of this book together. We're going to lay out, kind of set the table for this series with some information. I encourage you, if you don't have a study Bible or if you've never bought a commentary, this is a great series to acquire that and to continue to get into God's Word in life groups. That's why we have them, about 500 people in life groups. You get the message here, you get into the Word together during the week. You can't beat that combination. And then also in your own time, dive into God's Word. The book of Revelation, it means unveiling. God is revealing and unveiling. He is bringing a disclosure to things that were secret or hidden, and he's making them very plain. This book is from Jesus, and it's about Jesus. I want to say it again. The book of Revelation is from Jesus, and it's about Jesus. With all of the Bible, we want to approach it with humility and curiosity, We want to study the word and then be doers of the word. We want to apply the word together and with a sense of urgency and responsibility as well. Now, there's different genres in the Bible. There's poetic, there's historical, uh, there's wisdom literature. This particular genre is apocalyptic, and that has to do with the end times. Apocalyptic literature is highly symbolic. There's numerology. Numbers appear in this Bible, and the number seven in the book of Revelation appears over 50 times. The number seven, because that number represents fullness. In Revelation chapter five, you're gonna read that Jesus has seven horns. Those aren't seven literal horns, but horns represent power. It means he has the fullness of power. You're going to read in Revelation 5, Jesus has seven eyes. He doesn't have seven literal eyes, but again, symbolic language representing he can see everything. Nothing is hidden from Jesus. Numerology is part of apocalyptic literature. Like I said, there's symbols, there's metaphors, there's supernatural, there's mystery, and there's also so much content that's very literal, and it's a combination John is the human author, and so often John is describing what he's hearing and seeing in visions, and he doesn't always understand it all. And sometimes you're going to be reading through the book of Revelation, and you just don't understand it all. I mean, John, the human author, didn't understand it all, but we can learn more from this book and grow in our knowledge of God and what he's saying. These are some themes in the book of Revelation, the theme of hope, greater than our challenges, a tribulation. Satan's doom as he gets thrown into the lake of fire. Healthy churches, heaven, eternity, our victorious Savior, and the sovereignty of God who's still in control and still has a plan, and how we can live courageous through difficult times. Those are all different themes. And one thing to do that's so important in any book of the Bible, any topic, is to shift to Scripture. When it comes to end times, A lot of people have formed an opinion or a perspective that comes from a movie, a book, a friend, something they heard or read somewhere, but it doesn't actually align with Scripture. And this would be a time to shift from just some things you've heard or watched, and maybe that was a best-selling movie or a best-selling book, but does it align with the Word? And when you get into the book of Revelation, it's important to come back to the Word. Jesus is worthy, and we're going to see that throughout this book. Jesus is worthy. Three things we're going to highlight today. The first, Jesus is worthy of our service 
in our suffering. Starting in Revelation 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 6, and we read in verse 6, just lost my place, there we go. And he has made us to be a kingdom and priests, to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever, amen. Jesus sends an angel over 60 times in the book of Revelation. There's references to angels. Jesus is sending his word, sending an angel to John. John knows his identity and he says it right here from the start. We are priests. Your identity, more than anything else, you are a daughter and a son of God. And when you decide to follow Jesus, you're in his family forever. You're his ambassador. You're his priest. That's who you are. Don't lose track of who you are. Because when you know who you are, there's security, there's an authenticity, and everything you do flows out of who you are. What you do is not who you are, and what you do doesn't earn this identity. John is secure in this identity. We are God's priests together. Now, John is one of the original 12, and he's the only one who was not killed. He's a Jewish man, he's a church leader, and he wrote five books in the Bible. There's the Gospel of John. He also wrote three short letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of Revelation right here. Geographically, here's the context. We can look at this map and see the island of Patmos. And that's where John was when he wrote this book, about 95 AD. Now, Patmos, he's on an island. He's being persecuted for his faith. And he's writing about seven churches. Those seven churches, at the time it was Asia Minor, today it's Turkey. They're in the western part of Turkey. They almost form a circle there. Patmos is about 50 miles away from Ephesus. And John is listening to Jesus. And Jesus is speaking to the seven churches. And it's through John. The persecution was intense. Nero was an emperor from 54 to 68 A.D., killing Christians, persecuting Christians. And Domitian continued this from 81 to 96 AD. There was intense persecution. Church leaders were killed and beaten, and there was injustice in the land. To give a picture of Domitian's heart, he killed his own brother. So that tells you a lot. If someone's going to kill their own brother, they'll kill anyone they want to. He killed church leaders like Simeon, the bishop of Jerusalem, and he made it very clear that everyone who's in the lineage of David needs to be killed. They're going after everyone who's following Jesus. He writes, no Christian should be exempted from punishment without renouncing their religion. In other words, you're going to be killed or thrown in jail, beaten, unless you renounce Christ. John made a decision And it's a decision that he will not stop believing in Jesus, following in Jesus, and telling people about Jesus. What happened to John because of that? History tells us he was boiled in oil. He was a prisoner sent off to this island in exile. And he served as a slave in the mines for many years. But he chose to refuse to stop spreading the good news. He would not stop. He would rather be boiled in oil than silent about Jesus. 
Let that sink in. He would rather be boiled in oil, maybe killed, than silent about Jesus. Because for John and Jesus and the 12, and you look at the DNA of the history of our church, believing and preaching, speaking about the Lord, they go together. We try to sever it in America and say, well, I'm going to believe but not speak. No, believing and speaking goes together biblically. John's fully into following the Lord. He's worthy of serving. He's worthy of speaking. He's worthy of suffering. And if you kill me, you kill me, but I won't stop. Take that to heart. That's Jesus. That's the 12. That's the history of the church. That's the DNA of our faith, that kind of commitment. And then he was released in 96. Uh, Nerva, who was a leader then, a different approach and said, you can release John from Patmos. Here's an encouragement. If you feel like you're on the island of Patmos and there's injustice and you're being mistreated and you feel alone and you feel like the culture is getting more hostile, God will still speak to you in the island of Patmos. God will still meet you there. God will still comfort you. He will still develop your faith. You are still on track. You can be faithful to God and very, very mistreated. Don't let the mistreatment stop you from trusting God and living for him. On the island of Patmos, Jesus is faithful to John, and he'll be faithful to us. He's worthy of our serving, and he's also worthy of our attention and our devotion. In verse 3, we read, Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Blessed to read it. Blessed to listen. Blessed to take it in heart. Seven times in the book of Revelation, blessed. Blessed are those who hear and believe. Invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Who stay faithful during trials and tribulation and hostility. Blessed. God keeps saying, blessed, blessed, blessed are the ones who will stay pure. Who will not conform to the culture. Who will follow Jesus at any cost. Blessed. That's the message throughout the book of Revelation. Seven times. Now, there was a temptation for some people to get pessimistic and gloomy. And, of course, there was a lot of grieving during the book of Revelation. If you lose parents who are killed for the faith, and you lose siblings, and you lose your kids, and you lose your pastor, and you lose other people in church because they just keep getting killed for their faith, the intensity increases, and some people start to feel hopeless And that's what was happening here. It would be easy just to have our head down and just be like, who's going to get killed next? And then a couple more people do. That was the original context, and it's important to note the original context. As that continued, don't put your head down. God is a lifter of our heads, but know that salvation draws near. Know that heaven is real. Know that Jesus will return. Know that he is worthy of our devotion and continue to walk with God and trust God and listen to God. I believe one of the most important habits today is to listen to Jesus. To spend time in a culture where there's so many voices, so many posts online, so many advertisements, so many opinions. Everybody's talking. Everyone's got a voice. Everyone is saying what they think and feel and want. And you know the one voice we all need? It's Jesus. 
One of the main habits through the book of Revelation I think that we can cultivate is to listen to Jesus. Take time first thing in the morning, listen for his voice. In the middle of the conflict with your spouse, listen to that voice. When your child's not doing well, listen to that voice. When the culture starts to go that way, listen to that voice. Get time in the word and just listen to the voice of Jesus. He is the good shepherd. His sheep know his voice. They don't listen to a stranger's voice. They're tuned in to the voice of Jesus. It's not easy to do in a busy, noisy culture with a lot of opinions. Listen to Jesus and cultivate that habit as we go through this series. I had a moment this week where I was just finishing up. It was about 5 o'clock, and I was going to head out to my car, and I was talking on the phone. I had it on speaker, and I was talking to one of the other pastors, just wrapping up a few things on the phone. And then down the hall, one of the leaders here at the church was walking down the hall, and so I greeted that leader, and I was trying to talk to the pastor and do both at once. You ever do that? Trying to talk on your phone and to talk to the person next to you, giving signals and which way should I go? Well, at that exact moment, I see on my phone that my mom calls. And so now I've got the pastor I'm talking to, the leader that's right here that I'm talking to, and mom's calling in the line. And sometimes multitasking is not as easy as it looks. And I thought in my mind, well, this isn't really a time I can talk to mom. So how do I not accept that and keep talking to the pastor? Well, I hit the wrong button, and I ended the talk with the pastor, and I didn't realize it, and next thing I know, I'm talking to the leader, and mom's voice is on the phone. And I didn't say it quite right, and I fully believe in honoring mom and dad, but I said, mom, you know, I'm talking to someone else on the phone, and there's someone else right here. I saw you called, and I think I hit the wrong button. Can we talk later? And she said, well, being called the wrong button isn't that great. But I understand. Mom was gracious, right? Later on, the person I talked to said, you got to call mom. And I was like, mom, I didn't mean to call you the wrong button. Uh, But don't we have these voices in our mind? And who am I going to listen to? Am I going to spend an hour on social media? Am I just going to read the news for an hour? Am I going to watch the news for an hour? Am I just going to listen to this person's rant for an hour? Am I going to do this? Or am I going to tune in to Jesus? And so often we are hitting the wrong button and listening to the wrong voice. And we need to come back in the busyness of our schedules, and start listening to Jesus. What we listen to here is that the time is near. The period of time known as the time of the end. Because God has a calendar and a plan and a sequence. He's still in control. And there are different times. There are different seasons. And the season we're in right now is after the death and resurrection of Jesus, after the ascension of Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father. We're before the return of Jesus. The return of Jesus is the next event. And the period of time we're in, we need to understand the times. And we need to understand this so we do not fear. Because there are a lot of triggers and bait to go into anxiety and worry then and now But when we listen to Jesus and we understand he has a plan, we don't fear. And then we can step up with courage and bless the nations and the next generation. And you look at Psalm 78. I chose this psalm early in the week. Psalm 78. And look at God's heart for future generations. Starting in verse 4. Psalm 78, verse 4. Well... If it's stuck, okay, we have it. We will not hide them from their descendants. That's all the great things God has done, who he is. We will tell the next generation. Let's say that together. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. And it continues. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. 
And here it describes how things can spiritually change. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. And thinking about those verses in the next generation, then a lot happened this week, and the Supreme Court made a decision this week. And so everyone's thinking and processing, praying through what's happening right now. And a couple of thoughts on that. One is it's always important to come back to the Word. What does God's Word say? And God's Word says that Jesus was full of love and truth. We want to be people who are full of love and truth. What does that mean on the love side? It means we respect everyone. We show kindness and love. We love our neighbors. You know what I've seen sometimes is that someone will hold a certain position, and then out of that position, they think that entitles them to be rude or arrogant or obnoxious. And that's the exact opposite of the Bible. So there's 20 controversial topics in our culture today that are very charged, and in all of them, can we agree to be respectful and not rude? That's just a starting point for walking into these discussions and topics. We say, well, what about, you know, particularly the unborn? Well, what we read in Scripture and aligning with truth is that God has knit every child together. Every child's a gift, knit every child together in their mother's womb, and every child is made by God and loved by God. Out of that scripture and that truth, we see how abortion doesn't align with scripture. Having said that, there's probably many people in this room who have had abortions. This is not a place of guilt or shame. This is a place of healing and restoration. Many people have that story, and this is a place of receiving God's love, and we're so glad that you're here. And and when we think about God's passion to bring life and that's at all ages and stages, I think not only is there a protection and a provision for those not yet born uh, in the womb, made in God's image, across the board. And that's why we're a church that, think about the millions of kids right now who need a forever family. Right? Not just a passion for those in the womb, but what about the foster care system? If we stepped up, there'd be no foster care system. If the church in America stepped up, we would get rid of it in a year. It would not be hard, but it would just mean a passion for life. And we know from Scripture again, God's heart is for the orphans. So what do we do? You know what we've set up at Grace? We will fund uh, anyone who wants to go down that road of adoption. There's a fund, and we will pay, we will cover the bills so that kids can get adopted and foster care can happen, whatever those expenses are. We're we're committed to that. Uh, What else are we committed to? We've got to support women. We've got to support single moms. We have grace moms, and that ministry is thriving right now. And uh, we also, we have events like Grace Loves Auburn, where our community comes for supplies. We need to support those who are at the end of their lives. So often, it's seniors who might be alone battling health situations. That's why we have a care team. That's why so many people are stepping up. That's why I talked to someone after last service, goes to a care center to care for seniors. And you think about the different situations in life right now. We have a good Samaritan fund to help those families in need who are struggling right now. And we want to be a church family that is bringing the love and truth of Jesus and not just for one age or stage, but for all together. Here's another way of looking at it. Every child's a gift from God. Well, what do you do when God brings more and more kids right now? We have so many in grace kids. We have so many middle school and high school students. You know what you're hearing? You heard it. I mean, great, from Kathy today. Well, what about the kids who are here? 
and, and not just like out in our community who are in our building coming because they're hungry for God and they're just saying, will anyone kind of teach me? Are we just going to sit back and be like, well, I hope someone else does that one. You know, what's our response? What's our response? So let God move. And ultimately, I'll say this. The laws of a land are important. They have a place. But that's not what moves hearts. God's love changes hearts. Let's not put our ultimate trust in the laws of a land, but let's let the Holy Spirit move in our hearts and be a community of the love and truth of Jesus together. Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of our thanksgiving and our trust. Take a look at verse 4. John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Look at the description of Jesus. He's a faithful witness. What is that word? Witness, the root word is martyr. Jesus was faithful. He laid down his life and he was murdered. It's a both and he was faithful to the end. Do you think that means something if you're about to be killed? Do you think that means something and inspires you to think about Jesus the way he finished his life, faithful to the Father, and that we can stay faithful even if we're killed. You see, he's the faithful witness, and he relates, and he's going to comfort us, even if we're crucified or crucified upside down, like some of the apostles. He will comfort us the whole way. And then he's the firstborn from the dead because the resurrection is real. The hope is greater than our challenges. Death is not the end of the story. This life is very, very, very short. And then we have eternity. So let's keep that in perspective. And then the ruler of the kings of the earth. People would say Nero's the greatest. You know, emperor worship during that time. They would bow down and worship the emperors. They treat the emperors like God. And the message here is that don't buy into that lie. It's not a politician or a military that has the final say. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Every knee will bow and tongue confess in the earth and under the earth that he is Lord. That's prophet, faithful witness, priest, firstborn from the dead, and the king, the ruler of the kings of the earth. He's worthy. He's worthy. Look at Revelation chapter 5. Grace and peace. Shalom, charis, grace and peace are in Jesus. Revelation chapter 5. Here's a picture of the throne. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. When we say there's going to be people from every nation, language, tongue, tribe in heaven, it's right there in the word. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. God's family, it's all cultures, it's all nations. In a loud voice, they were saying, if you listened into heaven, what are they saying? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Can we say the word worthy together? Worthy. You know what word keeps echoing throughout heaven? Worthy. Worthy. You look at his scars, worthy. Resurrected Lord, worthy. You're going to look him in the eyes, worthy. 
You know what might come out of your mouth for eternity? Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lord Jesus. Worthy of our service. Worthy of our suffering. Worthy of us speaking out. Worthy of our gratitude. Worthy of our trust. He is worthy of it all. And Jesus uses these words in verse 7. We read the prophecy, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the people of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who was, who is, and who is to come, the Almighty. Jesus will return. It doesn't matter how many skeptics there are. Jesus will return. His return will be physical, visible, and victorious. Coming right from this. It'll be physical, visible. Everyone's going to see it and victorious. No one can stop that, not even the devil himself. Jesus is going to return. And we're looking forward to that day. John says he was pierced because John saw the crucified Jesus. And that continued to inspire him. He saw it with, he's never going to forget. Don't ever forget the cross and the sacrificial love of Jesus. He was pierced and he's coming. He's coming back. He is alive and not dead. He's coming in the clouds. Mark 13, 26 describes this in the gospel. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and great glory. He's the Alpha and the Omega. In the Greek language, the first letter and the last letter. He's the beginning and the end. He's the beginning because he always existed. He's the end. He has the final say, and there is no end to his eternal glory. That's our Savior. That's who we worship. He's over all history, humanity, over the nations, over the emperors, over the military. He's over the world as we know it. One thing that happens as we study the book of Revelation, our confidence in Jesus grows, skyrockets. About 20% of the Bible's prophetic. Every one of God's prophecies has come true so far. And the book of Revelation reveals what's yet to come, and it's going to come. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. As you think about your next step with Jesus, we put these on the screen every week because these are the decisions everyone's making and following the Lord. Start the relationship, baptism, we're celebrating, a church family, get in a life group, start serving. What's your next step? Let's, let's close our eyes, let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Jesus, thank you that you're coming again. You are the Alpha and the Omega. We bless you. We thank you. Just continue to picture Jesus as we sing this final song.